Welcome to Love Thy Neighbor, the biggest fellowship in the world if you count love. Amen. I'm excited to be here tonight. There's no telling what God is going to do. Before we go any farther, look to the person by you and just tell them, I mean, look, take a good look at them and say, I believe you look like a man with a match at a gas station. Tell them, you about to blow up. You about to blow up. Yeah, I tell you, God is up to something in this place. Come on and put your hands together for Pastor Nathan. Amen in the Thrive Church. God has graced us here, I believe without a doubt, with one of the greatest movements. And I believe that's exactly what this is. Pastor Nathan is right. Jesus is coming back, and we're getting ready for his coming. He won't come as a thief to the believer. But for those who don't know him, good God Almighty, but for us who know him, we'll be looking toward the clouds. Is there anybody looking toward the clouds? Yeah, we waiting on the coming of Jesus Christ. I'm excited. I can't see like I used to. I used to could. <clears throat> but I want to make reference of all the pastors. I had to make a list of this. And uh, put your hands together for the Thrive Church, Pastor Nathan. <laughs> Relief Free, Pastor Kaz. Oh, he's somebody's preacher. I see you back there. Pastor Jackie Coleman. Amen. 316, Pastor Matt. Church of Living God, Pastor Mary Henderson. Mount Providence, Pastor Harris. Sand Springs, all over there on the loop over there. Pastor Graham, y'all come on. Oh, y'all come on. Did he not bless our souls last month? Lord, I tell you. And certainly the Gates Community Church, amen for those who are here. Amen. <clears throat> Pastor Sam from BTV, y'all, Pastor Sam Comby. And Life Fellowship. My good friend, amen. Brother Jordan, amen. Y'all come on, come on, come on. That's enough to praise the Lord for. Amen. Now, I'm from the old church. Some of y'all probably already figured all that out. But uh, we're going to take an offering. Now, in the old church, I come from the old holiness church, and we look at a crowd like this, and we'll say, this is about a $75,000 crowd. I'm prophesying, we ain't y'all happy? <laughs> amen. But I think we're at the point, we want to uh, give an offering, amen, if we can. Um, I don't know how Pastor Nathan them do it here. Okay. Okay, he says there's envelopes, you can go online. Every church, we're asking every church to, to give a donation of $100 at each, uh, each month, amen. So all the pastors, if you can, just make sure you get a check to... Pastor Nathan and Thrive Church, amen. I believe one day we'll meet. There won't be a place big enough. Oh, y'all don't hear me. Where there'll be black and white. You know the truth be told, this is what heaven looks like. Aren't you happy? Aren't you happy to be around like-minded men 
men and women of God. Amen. So we do thank God for that, but make sure you do the offering. And I tell you what, uh, we won't delay any longer, but um, uh, this man is special. I don't know if you remember me, but I sure remember him. And, uh, and his pastor is certainly special to the gates, Pastor Mark. We love Pastor Mark. Amen. And, and I, there's no telling what God's going to do. I believe now we're bringing one of the greatest preachers in this end time. I'm talking him up good. And I, when he hit this podium, I want y'all to put y'all's hands together, stump your feet. And I need you to say, you preach, preacher. Come on and put your hands together for Brother Jordan. Y'all come on. They said, preach, preacher. I think I changed my message four times during that worship set. <laughs> it made me tired. <laughs> I ain't as young as I once was. Hey, look to somebody and tell them I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. Now turn to that second choice, the one you didn't choose first. Just say, I'm glad you're here too. I, I know what it's like to be second. Pastor Nathan calls me and says, hey, I want you to preach. And I said, I'm ready. He said, well, my first choice couldn't come. <laughs> so I don't know where on the list I am, but he said, so I looked at my subs. I'm not even sure I was second, but I was somewhere in the subsection. <laughs> so I know what it's like to, to be second, all right? But I'm glad you're here tonight. Are you glad you're here? I believe with all my heart God wants to do something in this house tonight. I believe God wants to do something in your heart tonight. Do you listen, listen, shh, 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 listen. Is that dry bones? I hear them rattling. They're going to live. They're going to live again. And you know where they're going to start? They're going to start right here in me. They're going to start right here in you. Now listen, if you do that, we're going to be here all night. Because I'm like an old dog. You say, sick them. You say, come on. And I'm like an old dog. I'm just going to preach longer and longer and longer. I love it. You keep going. It's all right. You do it. You do it. It's good. Hey, turn with me to the book of Mark chapter number five. Mark chapter five. Pastor Nathan, thank you for inviting me. I don't care if I was second, third, or fourth, or whatever I was on that list. I'm just glad to be in the house of God. I'm glad I have the privilege to stand here and share one of the things that I love more than anything else, Jesus Christ. I love me some Jesus. And I hope before you do, hey, I got a question for you. I got to be careful. I step off and be flat on my face here in front of Pastor Nathan in a minute. Hey, I got a question for you. If there was a, a, a root of something growing up that you could pluck it out tonight to be a little bit more like Jesus, would you, would you do it? If, if God could just take his finger and say, right, right, right there, I want that come out. If he, if he pointed to that tonight, would you, would you pull it out? Would you? Are you sure? Because there's a verse in the Bible that says there's a sin that does so easily beset us. You've been struggling with it all your life. And tonight is the night to pluck it out. 
Tonight is the night that the Holy Spirit said, I've come to do some work. I've come to do some restoration work. I've come to do some freedom work. But in order for me to work, you got to do some work too. you got to reach in there and say, I own it. It's me. It's mine. It's my sin. It's my unforgiveness. It's my bitterness. It's my root of, of, of lack of faith. And I'm going to pull it out tonight. Would you join me in that? If that's you, raise your hands. All over this house, raise your hands. Holy Spirit, come on me. Show me. Lead me. Guide me. I will follow you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. The other night, I went to dinner with my daughter, my son-in-law, and my two of my grandkids. They're four years old. And we were, had our food, and my, my four-year-old said, uh, gee, can I pray? And I said, you, yeah, you can pray. So the little boy, he prayed over our meal, and we got to the end. He said, and everybody said, <laughs> tickle me to death. I looked at him, and I said, where would you hear that? He said, you say it all the time, G. <laughs> Train up a child in the way he should go. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, we're going we're to dive into a passage that, that for, the, for a church, for the body of Christ, it may be a little odd, but I need you to understand that, that God works through the odd. He takes dry bones and brings them to life. He raises dead. He puts, he puts the mouth into people that can't speak. So God does strange things. And God wants to use a passage that we would normally look at as maybe as, as a passage for the lost, but I believe this is a passage to the church. So in Mark chapter 5, we began reading in verse number 1, there came to the other side of the sea uh, to the, from across the lake of, of Genesaret. When they got there, now listen, Jesus is with his disciples and he says, boys, let's go to the other side. And so they get in the boat, they start the other side, a big storm comes up, and Jesus is doing what he likes to do. He's sleeping in the bottom of the boat. Now, how can you be at sleep in a storm? You have perfect peace. Have you ever gone through a storm in your life where you were all tore out of pieces? Have you ever gone through a storm in your life where you, you couldn't sleep at night, you couldn't get any rest at night, but you go to the throne of thrones and the king of kings, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're waking up because it's the next morning because he gave you peace in the midst of your storm. You know, when Peter walked on the water that night, the safest place was not in the boat. Uh, in the boat was some disciples that were scared to death for their life. But on that night, the safest place was on the water in front of Jesus. That's the safest place. So Jesus, Jesus is asleep. The disciples wake him up and say, Lord, we're going to perish. And he looked and said, hush. That's East Texas for be still. And the Bible says the water just became calm. Do you know he can do the same thing in your life? Regardless of what the storm is. Look to your heavenly father and he can just say, Hush. Be still. And peace, calm, settles in. Rest settles in. So there, Jesus says, boys, let's go over there. And over there is where the Gadarenes are. Over there is where the tombs are. By the way, who lives in the tombs? Nobody lives in tombs. That's where dead people reside. And we spend way too much time living in the tombs. We spent way too much time living in the tombs. There came to the other side and see 
called the Gadarenes. Verse number 2 says, When they got out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit. Look at me. If there's an unclean spirit, there's a clean spirit. If there's an unholy spirit, there's a holy spirit. <laughs> Aren't you glad there's a holy spirit? Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit showed up in this house tonight? Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit lives inside of us tonight? Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit came to do a work inside of us tonight? He wants us to pluck out some things in order for him to fill us even more. So we can be a little bit more like Jesus. And that's what he's going to do in our lives tonight. So when they got to the other side, look at verse number, uh, unclean spirits. Let's just, let's just dive into this as we go through it. So how did Jesus know that the man had an unclean spirit? I can't look at Pastor Nathan and tell he's got an unclean spirit. But I can watch his actions. I can listen to him talk. I can see what he frets over. So immediately, Jesus walks up and he sees the man. And the Bible tells us the man is in the tombs. He's screaming night and day, taking stones and cutting himself. And Jesus thinks, that man, he just got unclean spirits. I got to deal with this. And that's what he came here to do tonight, deal with some unclean spirits. So let's look at the evidences of some clean spirits. And let's look at the evidences of some unclean spirits. Now, we're just going to point some things out. Galatians chapter 5 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. <laughs> I could just stop right there, couldn't I? <laughs> love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, meekness. I don't like that one. <laughs> Self-control. Golly. Mm, mm, mm. But the fruit that comes off of me when I'm walking with Jesus, when I've been in my quiet place and, and he's just oozing out of me, when I've been in that sacred place with God, the fruit that when this happens in life, how many of you know if you've ever been married, this has happened? How many know if you've got kids, this has happened? And when this happens, guess what? Whatever's on the inside is going to come out. And if you put the word in, the word's going to come out. But if you put the world in, guess what's going to come out? Bitterness and anger and clamor and evil speaking. That's what's going to come out. So now here, what we're going to do, we, we got to realize that the Holy Spirit's come to dwell within us. But we got an enemy, and our enemy, he likes to fill us too. So if the, if the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithful, meekness, self-control, what does the unholy spirit look like? We ain't going to like it, I can tell you that. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 30 through 32. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, ooh, bitterness is a sign. Got to pull, got to pluck that bitterness out. Let all wrath, let all anger, let all clamor. Clamor is nothing more than shouting. You ever got in a shouting match with your spouse? Mm. Mm. You ever got in a shouting match with your kids? Mm. That's clamor. Okay, Holy Spirit, I pluck that out in Jesus' name. Amen. Clamor. Slander. Be put away from us with all malice. Now, here's, here's the definition of malice. The desire to do evil. 
I'm not going to do evil, but I sure am going to enjoy talking about it. I sure am going to enjoy dreaming about it. I sure am going to enjoy thinking about killing you. I'm not going to really do it, but I sure am going to enjoy thinking about it. That's what it's talking about. So we, we need to put all these things, but, and then he says this, but also be kind one to another. So unkindness, pluck it out, unkindness, tenderhearted, so hardheartedness, forgiving each other, so unforgiveness. Oh my, oh my, Holy Spirit, do a work in my heart. Show me me. Holy Spirit, as I preach tonight, show me me. I came to declare your word, but I came to hear from my heavenly father as well. I'm here tonight not to be seen by men, but to be honoring to my Lord. And in order to honor my Lord, I got to pluck some things out of my own life. So the Holy Spirit can come and fill me even more. Lord, that's my heart. That's our heart. That's our desire. And tonight we give it to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, verse number three, who dwells in the tombs? Nobody dwells there. Nobody lives in the tombs. Only people who die there. Verse number five says, constantly night and day, he was screaming among the tombs and in the mountains. He was screaming. Why? Because he's in, number, point number one is write this down, isolation. He's in a place of isolation. A place of isolation. Hey, look at me. He's in the isolation chamber of his head. Have you ever been there? Have you ever driven down the road thinking about somebody? You're arguing with them in your head, and you get home 45 minutes later and say, oh, my goodness, how did I get here? Because you've been up here. In that isolation chamber, you've been fussing, you've been everything but cussing, you, you, and, and you finally wind up home, and you don't even remember that last 30 minutes because you were all up in here. Now, in the isolation chamber, Satan loves us to be in the isolation chamber because that's where that bitterness begins to grow up. That's where that anger begins to grow up. That's where we begin to feed the old man because when I see him, I'm going to give him what for. You know what I'm saying? We've all been there and done that. Can't get home to straighten my woman out. <laughs> how'd, that, how'd that go for you? <laughs> you know as well as I do, it didn't go. You walked in the house said, yes, ma'am, what can I do next? <laughs> Isolation. This man lives in the tombs, screaming night and day, back and forth, Listen, so we see isolation, we see mutilation. This is what the enemy wants. The enemy wants to isolate us. We know what isolation is. We spent the last year from our government telling us we need to do it. We need to isolate. We need to distance ourselves. But the Word of God tells us, no, we need to come forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but we need to exhort one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Now, I know that we need to keep, we need to wash our hands and don't pick our noses and all that kind of stuff. I get it. I get it. But I need you. You need me. We need to be in the house of God together. Isolation. Mutilation. 
The man is so in torment here that he needs just a little relief. And he's taking stones and he's cutting himself just for a few moments of pleasure. This is relieving this. This is bringing enough pain to take this pain away just for a few minutes. And so over and over and over, he's mutilating himself to get out of this for just a few moments. Don't you know that's the way the world does it? When I'm in the world, I act like the world. But when I'm in the Word, I act like my Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit wants to come out of me. So isolation, we see mutilation. I love this next one. Verse number six. Seeing Jesus from a distance, he ran, bowed down, and worshiped him. I got a question. Disciples, Plus Jesus, my last count, that's 13. How did he know which one Jesus was? Is it possible that he had been in the streets of Jerusalem when Jesus passed by? Is it possible that he had actually sat in the house of God in the temple when Jesus was teaching? Why did he worship him? He had to have had a a knowledge of him. He had to have had a relationship with him at some point in his life. And the Bible says when, when they all got out of the boat, he runs and prostrates. That's what the word means. Proskuneo. He he fell down in front of Jesus and began to worship him. By the way. A few weeks ago, I had a lady in my office, and I was giving her some counsel, and she said, Pastor, can we have church every day? I said, why? She said, because when I'm in church, there's a calm. When I'm in church, there's a peace. When I leave it, I go back to the old. Listen to me. Listen to me. I said, one, one yes, you can. But why is it that when you come, when you have an encounter with God, Peace comes. Happened here. Just think about it. The demons of hell, all the voices in his head, when he came into the presence of Jesus, stopped. And he fell down and worshiped. That's why worship for you and I is so important. That's why getting in good music, getting in the word of God, letting it feed our soul every day of our life. That's why it's so important. That's why, let me ask you a question. There's seven days in a week. Out of the last seven days, how many days have you been in the Word? How many days have you been in the Word? And if you don't answer seven, it's okay. Just make it seven this week. Let me tell you something. My wife loves it when I get in the Word because she don't like me when I'm not. If your, life, if your wife don't like you, maybe you need to get in the Word. Amen? So, isolation, mutilation, but in this one we see identification. Now, listen to this. Seeing Jesus at a distance, he runs and falls down and worships him and shouts with a loud voice. He says, what business do we have to do with each other? Listen, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. He knew his name, he knew his position, and he knew on what authority he came. 
Isn't it amazing that today in our society we argue over if Jesus was really the Son of God? Isn't it amazing to me that the demons of hell know his authority? They know his name, and when he says stop, they stop. When he says move, they move. This is why we need a daily, not on Sunday, not on Saturday. We need seven days in the Word of God so the Word of God can get in us so we can say, and then listen. Jesus said, I've given you all authority. We just have to walk in it. So when I say to the enemy, stop in the name of Jesus, the enemy has to stop. When I call out my demons, my, my, one of my demons is the demon of anger. When I say, in the name of Jesus, I command, if I won't get mad at anybody, it's not going to be her, it's going to be you. In the name of Jesus, get out. You have no authority in my life. You are not going to ruin my day. You are not going to ruin my marriage. You are not going to ruin me. I am a child of the Most High God. Get out. So what that means is we, God gives us the authority to take authority. Not, not, not bow down to the enemy, but to stand up boldly because of who lives in me. Greater is he who lives in me than he who lives in this world. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. All authority has been given to me. The unclean spirits knew his name, his authority, and the position in which he walked. So we see isolation, we see mutilation, we see identification. I don't like this one, but it's part of it. We see annihilation. Before I read the passage, the enemy has come to steal and destroy. Steal. Jesus said, but I have come. But I have come. But I have come that you can have and have it. It's my choice. But I got to plug the old out so the new can come. I got to get rid of the fears. I got to get rid of the anger. I got to get rid of the bitterness. I got to get rid of the malice. I got to get rid of all those things that's hindering me from walking in the presence of a holy God. And as I do, he fills me with his love. He fills me with his joy. And I get to say in the face of Satan, not today. Come back tomorrow. You have no authority in my life. Annihilation. Verse number nine. And he was asking, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion. For we are many. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. When Jesus first saw the man, he had an unclean spirit. But that unclean spirit now has unclean spirits. So that bitter root, there was just a little bitterness, just a little anger has now grown and now we got bitterness and anger and hatred and malice and now I'm wanting to do something 
now wanting to say something. And what I want to say isn't right, nor is it Christian. Shut your ears. You know what I'm saying? And now this thing has grown. And now he's got unclean spirit. He says, we are allegiance. And he began to implore them earnestly not to send him out into the country. Isn't that interesting that the demons had to ask permission from Jesus? Now, there was a large herd of swine feeding nearby in the mountains. And the demons implored him, send us into the swine that we may enter them. I love these next four words. Jesus gave them permission. <laughs> My God's bigger than your God. My God can do all things. Why? Because he lives. This is a place of death. He's living in me. This is not a place of death. And they came out, and the unclean spirit into the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea, about 2,000 of them, and they were drowned. There's a spirit of suicide. Listen to me. I do a lot of counseling in our church. I've never dealt with more people who are thought about suicide as I have in the last year. Satan can take your bitterness to a place that's so dark that you do something so stupid is to stick a gun in your mouth and pull the trigger. That's Satan. Because my God came to give you life and to give it to you in abundance. Yeah. Annihilation. Satan's greatest desire for this pastor is to annihilate him. By him losing his family, by losing his credibility, by taking him down. Pastor, Pastor, right here, same thing. You got target on your back. I got a target on my back. If you're a born-again believer, raise your hand. You're a born-again believer, raise your hand. You got look at me, look at me. You got a target on your back. Satan wants to take you down. Satan wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your legacy among your children and your grandchildren. He wants to take you down. He wants to annihilate your testimony for Jesus Christ because his job is to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His job is to give me life, and it's mine for walking in it. I got to choose to walk in it. Now, here's the thing that I like, and it's my last point. So, what we've seen is there's a place of isolation right here that can get us in trouble. There's a place of mutilation. There's a place of identification. There's a place of annihilation. This one is my favorite, though. It's a place of restoration. <laughs> Jesus didn't pull up on the shore that day just to heal the man of his sins. He, he healed him that day so he could have a relationship with him. So he could sit down and fellowship with him. God's desire for you and for me is to have a relationship with us. Notice what scripture says. I love this. 
The herdsmen ran off. They were scared to death. The herdsmen ran off and reported in the city and in the country. And the people came to see what had happened. They came and saw Jesus observe the man who had been demon-possessed. Now, what was he doing? He was sitting, he was clothed, and he was in his right mind. Now, what they had seen before was this man running up and down in the tombs. Evidently, he's naked. He's not naked. He's naked. He's naked, running back and forth, screaming, no relief. So he goes and gets stones and cuts himself. And they see this demonic, oppressed man walking and screaming in the tombs. But all of a sudden, they walk up, and he says, excuse me, Lord, I remember where I put my clothes. And he took off and went and got his clothes. He, now he's put them on, and he's sitting, he's clothed, and he's carrying on a conversation with Jesus. Why? Why? Because Jesus said, come out. You know what Jesus is saying to you tonight? To that unclean spirit that has a tendency to reside to make itself known in us, the one that does so easily entangle us. It's been there for years, and you've struggled with it. You've walked with it. You've got free from it, and you keep coming back to it. He's saying, come out. It's time to come out. It's time to listen to the Lord God and let that evil spirit come out. And tonight you say, yes, sir, that evil spirit's coming out. I'm getting rid of those evil spirits. I'm going to name them one by one until they're all gone. And we're going to be sitting, clothed, and in our right mind. Our right mind. Now, just a sad note. You, you know something really happened to the man. Not only because he's sitting, he's clothed in his right mind, his relationship now has been restored. He once was walking afar, but now he's back close. He's back, he's been restored. He and Jesus are now having a conversation like they used to a long time ago. And now the man wants to follow him. And he said, Lord, let me get in the boat with you. Let me go with you. He said, I can't do that. I can't do that. He gives him some instructions in verse number, verse number 19. He said, I need, you to, I need you to go home. I need you to go home to your people, and I need you to report. He tells him to go and report. He tells him, I need you to go home, and I need you to report to them what and how. What great things the Lord has done for you and how he has shown mercy on you. The man did exactly that. He began to proclaim in Decapolis, the 10 city region, a metroplex, if you would, what great things Jesus had done for him. You know what Jesus wants from me tonight? He wants me to own my faults, pluck them. I, that, that's me, Lord. I, I, forgive me in Jesus' name. Satan, in the, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. You have no authority in here. I command you in the name of Jesus, go. No, you ain't coming back. I said, no, go. And every time he tries to come back, you just tell him, no, you have, you have no authority. This is God's vessel. 
This is a holy vessel. This has been made holy by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Go. Where is it God wants you to go? Love thy neighbor. Your neighbor may not always look like you. You Your neighbor may not always talk like you. The the, the neighbor may not always live like you live. The the, The neighbor may not have the same kind of job you got. But God wants us to go home. August of last year, it was on a Thursday night, began having some chest pains. I took a nitro pill. It got a little better, but still hurt all night long. Next morning, I woke up. I took another nitro pill. It didn't do any good. It just kept climbing. I took a second nitro pill, and it still kept climbing. I called 911. Ambulance came, got me, took me to Tyler. The long of that story is that they kept me. They drew a bunch of blood. My cardiologist came in, and he said, David, I don't know what's happened, but you got, we're going to do a heart cath on you. They took me back and did a heart cath, and he came in, and he looked at me, and he said, I don't have any good news. He said, you've got seven blockages in four arteries. Two of them are in the Widowmaker. You're a miracle walking. Just as soon as he came out, he walked out. Just a few moments, a surgeon walked in that was going to do my surgery on Monday. And she gave the same story. And I said, well, I'll just go home, come back on Saturday night. She said, no, you're too high risk. I can't let you go. I've been a pastor for, I've been in the ministry for 42 years. 42 years I've been in the ministry. I've held the hand of many a woman when the doctor came out of this same surgery. It wasn't good news. More times than not, it's not good news. I've prayed with that woman. I've cried with that woman because her husband didn't make it. When those two doctors came in and told me what they were going to do, I laid my head back and I said, God, is this how I'm going to go out? Is this how my life will end? And I was replaying all those times when I'd been there in the hospital. Some of them in that same hospital. Holding the hands of that, that, that mother, that, that wife, when the doctor came and gave her the report, prayed with her, cried with her. God, is this how I'm going to go out? And I felt the Holy Spirit say, look at your nurse. I'm laying on the table. They put a nurse in the room with you because they go up through a major artery. And for 45 minutes, you can't move this leg. And if you watch me, it's hard for me not to move my leg. <laughs> I like to move a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So... The nurse was there, and about the third time, she pushed down on my leg. She said, I'm going to have to keep my hand there unless you keep it still. I said, yes, ma'am. Holy Spirit, look her in her eyes. I looked up at her, and and she's talking to my wife. And the Holy Spirit said, ask her how she's doing. It's Friday afternoon, 4.35 o'clock. I said, ma'am, how are you doing? She said, oh, I'm doing great. This is what I call the church answer. Because, you know, when you get to church, everybody's doing good. You fought like cats and dogs all the way to church, but now we good. Kids are good. We holy. We right. We'll fight some more when we get back in the car, but right now we good. 
That's the church answer. She was giving me the church answer. She was talking about all what she's going to do on the weekend. And the Holy Spirit said, when she gets through, say, that's not what I was asking you. How are you doing? And I did. When she finished, I said, no, ma'am. How are you doing? For the next 15, 20 minutes, she told me her life story. She said, four years ago, my grandfather committed suicide. Two years after that, my father committed suicide. I've been through three marriages. I've got kids that are teenagers, and if they don't kill me, I'll kill them. (laughs) This marriage that I'm in right now is not doing well. And just like my grandfather and father, I wanted to go there too. Tears running down her face, and she told me her life story. She finished, and she said, I don't know why I just told you that. (laughs) I said, I do. (laughs) I do. I said, you know what I do for a living? She said, no, sir, I don't have a clue. I said, I'm a preacher. And God sent me to here today, your last patient of the day, to tell you how valuable you are, to how much he loves you, and how much he wants to heal you. For the next 20 minutes, I got to preach Jesus to her right there in the hospital. Sometimes your neighbor comes to you in an awkward moment. Thank you. Don't miss it. So the next 20 minutes, I'm pouring into her. I lay my hand over. She slaps her hand in mine, tears streaming down her face. I thought I was going to have to have two surgeries. (laughs) One on my hand because she was squeezing the fire out of it. And then heart surgery too. I wasn't sure which one was going to happen first. I said, ma'am, I want to pray for you. She said, I was hoping you would. I said, I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray favor and blessings on you. But as I do, I just want you to ask God to forgive you. And you just start naming whatever it is. And you name him, he's going to forgive you. I prayed over her, tears running down her face. I finished praying and she said, thank you so much. I'm so glad you're here. And I said, I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to have surgery on Monday. She said, I know, but I'm so glad you came to see me today. I said, this is why God loves you so much. Two things happened that night. One, God sent me there to love on that lady. God sent me there to love on her in a moment where she needed the most. She didn't know who I was. All she knew was something inside of her said, tell this man your story. God's waiting on you to be in somebody's life. Second thing that happened that night was when she walked out of the room, I laid my head back and God said, you know that question that you asked me a while ago? If this is the way you're going out? I said, yes, sir. He said, son, I'm not through with you yet. Perfect peace have they who keep their mind on him. I got a question for you. I'm through. Got a question. You remember tonight when I asked you, were you willing to pluck something out? What was it? You don't have to name it. Just recall it. What was it? Right now, the Holy Spirit's asking you, would pluck let's, come on, let's do some business. Yeah, yeah. Let's pluck it out. Let's just get rid of it. If you'll pluck it out, You won't have to go through this story. 
You don't have to be in that place of isolation. You don't have to be in that place of isolation. You don't have to be in that place of mutilation. You don't have to be in that place of sticking a gun in your mouth or at least wanting to and taking your own life. You don't have to. Because my Jesus loves you so much that he sent this preacher here today to tell you, I love you. Don't you just pull some of them old bitter things out. Get rid of some of them roots. Get rid of some of them things. So right now, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Just do business, you and God. I'm going to stick out my hand. Won't you put yours in it? Because I want to pray over you. I want to pray with you. Just like I did that nurse that night. I stuck out my hand and she slapped her hand in mine. And that night her and I did business with God. My hand's out. Would you put yours in mine? Heavenly Father, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Satan has one desire to separate us, to split us up, to destroy us, to make us become bitter and angry and hateful to each other. But we are one church. We are one body with one Father and one Spirit in all of our hearts. And we can only have one Spirit reside. Satan, I command you in the name of Jesus on the authority of the Word of God, go in Jesus' name. Spirit of fear, you have no place. Spirit of anger, you have no place. Spirit of lust, you have no place. Spirit of addiction, you have no place. And right now, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, fill that empty void that we just cast out. Fill that void with now with the love of Jesus and the peace of Jesus and the patience of Jesus and the love of Jesus that we may walk in this world and those who walk with us may see our light and our light brings glory to you. May that be the testimony from our lips. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with me said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.